not even noon. Ugh. All right, all right, all right. This is the second part of our first episode of 2021. Uh, the first part, we were talking about the election and the Proud Boys and the Capitol riots and a lot of very serious stuff. This is going to be the fun part of the podcast. Uh, we're talking about some reality TV, some Real Housewives, and an interesting question from a listener about leaving your kids home alone. Um, so if those topics aren't up your alley, um, you can go ahead and skip this episode and, uh, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming next week. First of all, let me pour another glass of wine on that. So we're going to talk about two of the franchises right now. We'll, we'll circle back on a couple of the other ones later. But let's start with Real Housewives of Potomac. Because, girl, what a mess. What a motherfucking mess. Uh, I... So... <laughs> So the season started out with this fight between Monique and Candace. Monique, for those of you who don't know, is the wife of Chris Samuels, who I believe is a retired football player. Yep. And, Redskins. Oh, sorry, Washington football team. Sorry. Have I, they not have they not decided on a new name yet? No, they haven't. But she is probably, not probably, I think she is the wealthiest of the housewives on the show. Miss Monique, is, I have four homes, Samuels. <laughs> right. But do keep in mind, the only reason she mentioned she had four homes was because Giselle was being shady and saying, you don't have a home. Yeah, I agree. But she's the richest housewife, which probably is the impetus for some jealousy from some of the other women that she's on the receiving end of. And apparently, so she was very good friends with one of the other former housewives named Sharice is no longer on the show. Thank God. She, yeah. But she was married to, I guess, a well-known basketball coach for the NBA. And they divorced. It was actually quite sad to watch because essentially, so it's, imagine you've been ghosted by somebody that you were dating for a couple, you went on a couple of dates and they just stopped responding to you. But imagine if you were ghosted by like your actual husband. That's Which what happened. Can he relate. Literally, he literally like she was in the family home in Potomac, and he was traveling around the country because that's what you do when you work with in in sports. And he literally just never returned home and stopped answering all of her calls. So so I mean it's sad, but that's what happened. He ghosted her essentially, and then they. I think now they've gotten officially divorced. Maybe not. But Sharice is no longer housewife, probably because she didn't have a fucking storyline. And She barely uh, had she, one when she was on the show. But Sharice and Monique apparently became very close in the course of the, the first couple of seasons. And Monique believed that Sharice... I don't know why. I don't remember what the source was of their perceived fallout, but... I think she believed Sharice was was spreading rumors about her or something, or there was something that Sharice did that just 
made her made Monique and Cherise fall out. So anyway, then Candace, another housewife who is a pageant queen, I forget which competition she won. Nobody cares because it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't cares. even think it was a national. I don't think it was like Miss USA or Miss Universe. I think it was. I think it was a, a regional, like Miss Maryland or something. Miss Inner Harbor. But so she's like a pageant girl, and what she's been doing for a living all this time, I don't know. But her mother, her parents are wealthy, and they basically let her live in their house for free. So Candace and her husband, Chris, a different Chris. Chris. <laughs> yeah, so White Chris. That'll make it easier. White Chris owns some, like, barbecue restaurant or something, and they live in their house, but the rent was paid, or mortgage, rather, was paid by Candace's mother. So Candace was also good friends with Monique. And Monique fell out with Candace because Charisse was invited to Candace's engagement party because she got engaged to her white Chris. And Monique was pissed that she was not given a heads up by Candace that Charisse was going to be at this event. And she felt that it was intentional on Candace's part and shady, like a setup. Candace, Wait, I thought it wasn't an engagement party. I thought it was the anniversary of their wedding party. Whose wedding? Of Candace and White Chris. They're not married. Candace and White Chris? They weren't. Wait, what? Are they're they absolutely They're absolutely married. It was an anniversary. Let me Google because I'm 99% sure it was an anniversary of the wedding. Because remember that terrible fucking I see you song? That was his wedding gift. Okay, I totally forgot that. Yeah, that horrible fucking I See You song. That was his okay. wedding gift. So it was okay, a... Yeah. yeah, sorry. At the beginning of this season, they had a party, I guess, to celebrate their anniversary, which at Cringe. the time, they don't have any money. Like, Chris just sold his restaurant, I believe. Candace mm-hmm. doesn't have a source of income. Her mother pays her rent. And I forget what the number was that they said this party cost, but it was a lot of money. And that's a very bougie spot. I've been there. That, yeah, they spend way too much money. And I don't understand the purpose. Really, one year out, guys, and we're patting ourselves on the back already. We didn't want to just be patient. Maybe wait till five. I guess they needed a storyline. But so, so Candace and Monique fell out because of Sharice being invited to this event. Candace maintains that she didn't even know that Sharice and Monique had problems, which Monique doesn't believe. So... That's the source of all this animosity between them. And it ended up, I think they were at like a, what was it, a winery or a... Last season? Th- yeah. they Well, no, this one, where, where they were fighting. It was in... Oh, they were doing yeah. like a wine tasting, yeah, at yeah. some farm. And it just, it was a petty back and forth that just escalated into uh, Candace, like put her hand in Monique's face. That triggered Monique. She started flipping Candace's hair, and then Candace was like, drag me. And Monique grabbed her hair and smashed her her face down on the table. And then it was like, she refused to let go of Candace's wig. (laughs) She she did. She had her, like, Candace's wig wrapped around her hand, and I think she was, like, punching her with the other hand. And Candace had a glass of wine in her hand that broke when her head was smashed. And so 
Monique thought that she was trying to hit her with the glass and it, it just, it turned. Well, so- on here, she was very clearly swinging that broken wine glass towards Monique. Well, she says that she, I, actually, I forget what exactly her defense was for what she was doing with the glass. I think she was saying my, he- my head was stuck down on the table and I didn't have anything free other than my hand that was holding the glass. No, she didn't even say that on the reunion. All they did the whole time was just, Monique, that didn't happen. Giselle and Candace and all them insisting that Candace didn't do anything with the glass, but they even showed it during part three of the reunion of Candace's hand swinging with the broken wine glass in it, and that's how Monique got the cut on her face. I'm so over Candace. Like, I'm so over... I can't stand her. I, like... I, I can't take it. With she's like, huh, and now I have to see therapists and all this stuff because it was so traumatic. And I put post-its that say you can do it up on my mirror. Like, get fucked. Meanwhile, in the, the three breaths you took before that, you're super rude, mean, dragging all these other girls for the most minor shit. I, I hate Candace. And I don't think now that Monique has left the franchise... I don't plan on watching any more of The Real Housewives of Potomac. I can't stand Giselle. I can't stand Candace. I do like Robin. Karen is hit or miss. Sometimes I love her and sometimes I'm really annoyed. I can't stand Wendy. I think Wendy was a horrible addition to the show. I cannot believe they're keeping Wendy around. I cannot believe they're bringing her back. I really can't. Yeah, so I'm just going to just not watch next season because I'm just, yeah, with who they have left. So, so just to finish the... So so the fight was, like, really dramatic. With, like, there was blood, there was bruises. They ended up pulling Monique away and pulling her into the stairwell and cl- blocking her from the door. She, Monique was still trying to get in. She could hear Candace in the background still talking shit about how she's going to get her fired and this and that. Monique was, like, in just rabid mode and so she ran out the stairwell and threw out the back door to run to get Candace as <laughs> Candace was leaving. Didn't end up succeeding because I think somebody grabbed her. But it was but it was a very dramatic event. And basically the rest of the season is spent with the rest of the girls dragging her for what she did and basically acting like Candace was a complete like innocent victim in the whole thing and she didn't deserve any of that happening to her and that Monique was just like this awful monster who attacked her which I'm not going to say it's right to physically attack someone but Candace has a way of running her mouth in a way that is extremely provocative and she comes across to me like somebody who grew up in a bougie environment where she's not used to have I don't think she's ever been in a fight in her life. Yeah. Because she's never had she's never had to stop and think about her mouth and think, is this gonna get my ass beat? That's just my take on Candace. Because yeah. she's so reckless with the stuff that she says. And somebody will say something to her that maybe is kind of shady or a little whatever. And she her response will be so like outsized and so like dramatic in comparison to what was done and so below the belt that it's like she's clearly somebody who's walking around with a lot of anger and bitterness that rather than putting it to where it belongs which is probably her mother who's an awful person she like releases it in these spurts 
when people come for her. And she says, oh, well, I'm, I'm just defending myself. I'm just clapping back. And it's like, maybe, but... It'd be more proportioned a- if that was accurate. <laughs> yeah. And it's... To give context to people that do not watch The Real Housewives of Potomac, this would be similar to someone would say to Candace, like, oh, I don't know that I really like those shoes. They look kind of like maybe a little too payless. Like a light read like that. And she would come back with like, your mother's a fucking cunt. Like it's that much mismatched. It's she goes so extreme and off the rails. And she's had her little violent outbursts in previous seasons too, when she was banging that knife on the table uh, when she was screaming at Ashley. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you don't want out. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Don't you dare go near my husband. What you don't want out for everybody to know. Why don't you eat a piece of bread? Maybe you'll calm down. I love the AMSR version of that. She does defend you, Kim. Oh, speaking of, real quick, I don't know if you watch Hell's Kitchen. Lisa Vanderpump is in the uh, new episode coming out next week. Oh, lovely. So I'm purely watching it for that. So, yeah, I mean, they basically spent the entire season ostracizing Monique. She held a meeting with them where she said, I know I shouldn't have done that, but in the moment, she she just triggered me and I reacted. And and Giselle brought her own security with her to that meeting and then left like two minutes into Monique explaining where she was coming from. Jesus Christ. So... But yeah, they basically spent the whole season ostracizing her and making Candace out to be this completely innocent, pure victim. And also trying to gauge each other and hold each other accountable to actively exclude Monique from anything that they were doing as like a cast. So every trip that they went on, every party that was held, like it was such a point to bring up like, well, you didn't invite Monique, right? Like it, it was so middle school. Yeah. And not only that, but Karen, who's the oldest housewife on the show, and acts, she considers herself the grand dame of Potomac and likes to, she basically thinks she's the Lisa Vanderpump of the franchise, essentially. There ain't no way. And her husband is the black Bill Gates, so she says. But Karen was trying to kind of be mediator, so to speak, because she's friendly with both Candace and Monique, who are the youngest housewife. Well, actually, maybe. Ashley's the youngest, I forget. Ashley is the youngest. Yeah, but they're younger, and she sort of sees them in kind of an auntie-ish sort of way. So she was trying to kind of be there for both of them, but everyone was was ganging up on Karen, basically saying, you need to join us in completely icing out Monique and stop talking to her and don't invite her to things and don't defend her and blah, blah, blah. So it was obvious to me from the beginning that Robin... Wendy and Giselle were essentially trying to, not to say that Monique wasn't wrong for having attacked her, but they clearly latched onto this like dogs with a bone as a way to weaponize it to get her fired from the show. It's clear to me that's what their intention was. But did she, Um, was she truly fired though, or did she just... No, I'm not saying, no, I'm just saying that's what their intention was. that's That's what they were hoping the outcome would be. Gotcha. And they didn't succeed because ultimately Monique did end up getting a contract offer for to come back for the following season. Yeah. But but all the faux outrage, I mean, they acted like she stabbed her or something. Or yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they their reaction was so extra and so ridiculous. And to get to what Nancy was mentioning before, 
there was an incident, I forget if it was last season or the season prior, where they had a dinner at Candace's house, her townhouse, paid for by her mother, who, where she and Ashley were fighting about something. I forget exactly what it was. I think it was re- with regard to, that was the season where Ashley's husband was accused of having groped a cameraman or somebody on the... Yeah. Yeah. And so there was all this talk about Michael groping people. His name's Michael. Michael groping people and comments he made about wanting to suck Juan Dixon's dick. Juan Dixon is... He's a former basketball player who's the husband to one of the housewives, Robin Dixon. So there were, like, all these conversations about whether Michael was gay or he was cheating or he was this or that. And that conversation came up at this dinner party. I believe it was Candace who... I don't know if it was Candace who brought it up. It might have been Giselle because she's usually nasty like that. <laughs> but basically, Candace was the one who was really pressing the issue. And the two, and, and so Candace and Ashley ended up getting into a back and forth where Ashley said, like, this is, uh, I forget what Candace's mother's name is, but she said, this is house or something like that. Basically, dragging Candace for her being for being 30 or however old she is and her mother's paying her mortgage and candace was so triggered by it that she stood up grabbed a butter knife and was waving it in ashley's face violently like as if she was going to like stab her with it and white chris had to run over and physically hold her back as she was screaming yeah so this whole idea of like candace being this like wilting flower that just, yeah, she just uses her words, but she would never resort to violence is bullshit because she yeah. already she's already done it in a previous season. She just yeah. didn't succeed. <laughs> yeah. I think those were all crocodile tears. The whole like now well, can I'm- we talk about can we talk about the fucking the the constant dabbing of the tears with the oh, tissue? I can't. Her folded tissues. I'm so over <laughs> that bullshit. I mean, if I were her, I would start so- selling t-shirts with like a picture of her with folding tissues on it because it's like <laughs> the, the fold the Candace Dillard folded tissue is like more iconic than anything else she's ever done on the show. Correct. Every episode she's crying about something and she's got a folded tissue in her fucking confessional interviews dabbing the tears away from her eyes so it won't mess up her makeup. And it's like girl, what are you crying about? Yeah. And I just I hate it when she was like, "Oh, and now I'm in therapy because I'm so traumatized by this. Girl, you had a whole other host of other fucking issues going on. So if this is the thing that finally got your ass to go, then that's a silver lining, bitch. Yeah. And I'm sure that her lawyer told her to start going to therapy for, for this because mm-hmm. everybody that has something like this happen to them, or even if it's like a car accident or whatever, the lawyers always say, go to the doctor, go to the chiropractor, go to this, to that, so that you have a paper trail showing that you've been traumatized and you have all these expenses and blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure that her seeing a therapist because she was so-called traumatized by this event is just legal strategy on her end. I did spit um, out my wine when Andy Cohen said during the reunion to Candace that she's a disaster on Twitter. Her her Twitter is disgusting. I don't know how deep you've gone in the history of some of her posts, but she posts some truly gross shit on Twitter. 
I don't look at her Twitter account. I don't even think she's verified. She's but, not. Um, she, Monique is, though. <laughs> sure is. Which is, by the way, sad, because Bravo could get her easily verified. I don't know why they haven't. Because but, no one gives a shit about her ever in life, <laughs> except for white Chris. But, but no, I've never gone to her social media page, but I've just seen like the screenshots of the tweets that they've showed on air. And I'm like, it's just so toxic. Like It's just toxicity being spewed mm-hmm. again and again. And so it's like... I'm sorry, talk shit, get hit. That's how I feel. You can't, you can't just keep getting under people's skin like this and getting all up in people's faces. Cause that's not the time, she, that's not the first time she's gotten into Monique's face. She yep. did it again. She did it previously when we they were at, I think they were doing horseback riding or something. Or eating Monique. barbecued food at some farm. Cause I remember they all had on like flannel looking shirts and cute little shorts. And that's when Monique was literally like, I will drag you pregnant and all. And I was like, oh God damn. Yeah. And again, she was saying, drag me. Yep. So it's like, don't fucking tell people to drag you, bitch, unless you want them to actually drag you. Yeah. <laughs> because clearly you ended up getting dragged. Well, that proves but, even more that she's lived a life completely unchecked. Yeah. And so my thing is, I feel when you're in somebody's face, like that's an aggressive, that's an aggressive stance that requires a response. Yeah. When you're like in somebody's face, you're putting your hand or finger right in their face. That's just asking to get your ass beat. And yeah. which, by the way, Robin, I think it was Robin, did the same thing to Ashley a couple of seasons ago when they con- randomly confronted her at her restaurant. At yep. Blue, which was so bizarre. That was a very um, cringy episode. Yeah. But anyway, so this whole storyline basically kept going throughout the whole season of this whole Candace and Monique fight and which side are you on and Karen, why won't you take a side? And it culminated ultimately in a reunion that was extremely messy, starting from the fact that Monique showed up to the reunion with a binder full of receipts. I... I've never been more like, I don't think I've ever salivated as much at a preview for a Real Housewives reunion as I did for that one. When she said, well, I have it in my little binder right here. I was like, oh, this bitch, she printed out receipts. And I just live for the fucking close up shots showing that there were different tabs in the binder for each housewife. (laughs) Like, I just. I can't. As someone who is a as an as a receipts connoisseur, I just I have to marvel at the effort that was put in to because we stand. But I mean, I will say I was a bit disappointed that we didn't get to see more of what was actually in the receipts book because she had a whole binder full of stuff. But the main thing that she pulled out, actually, the only thing I think that she actually pulled out in the very first. Was essentially so one of the housewives, Giselle, is was married to a famous pastor named Jamal Bryant, an Atlanta pastor. Or I think he was in Atlanta, yeah. Or mm-hmm. wait. Yeah, it's Atlanta. Are you sure? Let me see. Jamal Bryant. Because I, I know that he was in Atlanta at the time of the reunion, but I don't remember if like that's his home base of like where he's been preaching all these years. I thought um, it was Atlanta. Uh, he was born in Boston, raised in Baltimore. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he travels around the country doing different events and stuff, but yeah, I think he was based in, okay, here we go. Yeah. In December 18, he transitioned 
from Empowerment Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church, Jesus, that's a mouthful, in Baltimore to Atlanta. So he up until 2000, December 2018, he was in he was pre- preaching in Baltimore. But anyway, so they had been together for many years. He made a lot of money as a pastor. And is he okay? Oh, Jesus. So, but he, I mean, he was sleeping with everybody in the congregation, basically. Cheated on Giselle with everybody in town. Has all these different baby mamas. And Giselle ultimately left him. And so she was single at the time that she came on to The Real Housewives. Well, this year, she decided to get back with him. And to the chagrin of her daughters who were teenagers and are upset with her with their father for basically what they did to their mom and they don't want them. I mean they, they love their father but they don't want her their mom to be with him but she's getting back with him in this season of the show but they keep talking about throughout the whole season why every time Giselle comes to an event he's never there and so she's well he's traveling well he's doing this well blah, blah, blah. she always has an excuse for why he's never there regularly the other housewives typically bring their husbands to various th- events that they have and so in the reunion they're talking about jamal and they're like well where is he what well, why isn't he here oh he's busy in atlanta doing blah 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 meanwhile Everybody else is... Well, actually, no, that's not true. Michael wasn't there because he was working. Well, so Ashley says. And then Juan Dixon was was working as well, although I believe he actually is working. He's the, he's the only house husband that I actually really... I think he's like a normal, sane person. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Well, I like Chris too, but he can also be a little... He has some weird misogynistic moments where I'm like, ooh, did we really just say that? Yeah, I think he's like one of those like old-fashioned Southern people who just has very like outdated ideas about like gender. Yeah. But was that Louis? Yeah, I'm sorry. He's crawling (laughs) like I'm trying to get him off of. He's literally on my Chromebook. So the main thing that Monique brought out at the reunion was that. Monique's relationship with Jamal was not real, that it was fake, and that she asked him to pretend that they were getting back together so that she could have a storyline on the show. That's what Monique alleged, and I and Karen was basically backing her up. And, of course, Giselle denied it. And so Monique brings out receipts, text messages between Jamal and another woman where Jamal is texting this woman, talking about wanting to meet up with her, and the woman saying, well, what about Giselle? What about what you have going on in Potomac? And he basically, in so many words, says to her, that's just for television, that's not real. And so she starts reading these back and forth, lovey-dovey text messages between Jamal and this random woman, and Giselle sitting there with her face cracked, but still trying to pretend like, oh, this isn't real. And I don't know what Monique printed out from her receipts book and what she put together, but it's all fake. And so then Monique's in the part that really is the true gag of the season. Monique reads out Jamal's phone number from the text messages and says, that's his phone number, right? And then Andy turns to Giselle and says, is that Jamal's number? And she like pauses for a second and then she goes, yeah, that's his number. And it was just, and then we fucking cut to black, bitch. I mean, Jamal and I have been through a lot. There's a lot that people say, and we, we're 
But we when y'all were announcing it. that y'all got back together, he told his girlfriend at the time that it was just reality TV and it wasn't true. Thanks. How do you know that? How do I you know? know? Because the lady who he's been dating for years only waiting to drop these receipts for a while. She's a pastor and she reached out to me a long time ago. She sent a bunch of screenshots, pictures of him in her bed and everything else. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going there. I don't play dirty. But since Giselle likes to play dirty, I'll go ahead and return since I'm here right now. But he's definitely been talking to another woman and it's clear conversations. And if you'd like to see him, I got him in my little receipt book right here. He's always asking about her schedule. He's sending screenshots to her whenever he's doing his little church tours. How do you know um, those texts are real? You want me to call out his phone number? I'm sure she knows what his phone number is. 410 Mar Bryant. Is that his phone number? Yeah, that's his phone number. Does that upset you if that's his phone number she just said? I don't believe anything that comes out of Monique's mouth. Did you bring a full binder? That you spent time out of your busy schedule even a tab to for put my a binder out. together to read verbatim what a hoe might have said about the, the pastor. That's it's pathetic and low. Of course, I'm going to bring my receipts to back up everything that I'm saying. So while you sitting over here having fake fraudulent relationships with your your ex, your kids ain't even happy about it. You sitting up here sitting like a darn fraud, bringing a different man onto the reunion every freaking year. I hope he's sitting behind you this year. That's the holy whore. Since you want to keep calling my husband big boy. Is Jamal coming? No, he's not. Of course not. Wow. Your pastor boyfriend is slinging his big D all around his congregation, even in Atlanta as we speak. And you know it. You know it. You're fraud. Any reaction to this? Of course she doesn't have reaction because she knows it's true. Like, I can't, I mean, I will say all things considered, she handled it reasonably well. I mean, not as good as, I mean, to me, the person who handled getting exposed the best out of any housewife I've ever seen is Phaedra when she got exposed for lying about Candy. But I still believe to this day that she was on Xanax or some kind of mood stabilizer because that was just something was wrong with her that day. I think yeah. she knew she was gonna get she knew she was gonna get dragged for filth and exposed. And she was like, let me just pop a couple of Xanax. Yeah. But but Giselle was just sitting there silent. I mean, Andy kept trying to prod her to give an answer like do you have any response to this do you like can you say something and she just was kind of it was like what can you say and it was so funny because as monique is reading off all the receipts candace is sitting in the background trying to basically say oh nobody cares about this thirst book and this is pathetic and blah 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 and then as soon as giselle confirmed that the phone number was jamal's candace just goes well that's unfortunate i mean it was just it was iconic yeah, that, iconic, that is iconic. probably my, that's got to be my top five favorite Real Housewives reunions ever. So the other thing too, though, and I don't know, do you follow Andy at all on Twitter? Girl, I think I have him blocked. Well, Seriously. I was on the subreddit and there was all this back and forth about like how Andy even seemed really biased against Monique in the reunions and how it didn't really make sense. So apparently someone reached out to him and Andy was upset because he said that they had more than enough footage for this to be a four-part reunion. But for whatever reason, Bravo did not want to do the four-part. So he is claiming that there is all this footage out there. Apparently the conversation in relation to the fight lasted much longer than what we saw. But yeah, apparently there was enough for a whole other episode. And then I did see on Twitter, people keep like, poking Monique Samuels, just saying, can you please just release the binder electronically on Twitter for us? No, she needs to, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, now that she's off the show, you might as well. 
But yeah. I, I like I so desperately want to know what the rest of the receipts are. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. But so eventually they everyone ended up being invited back, including Monique. But unfortunately, she declined to come back to the show, which if you watch the reunion, you'll understand why. Because they completely did her so fucking dirty in that reunion. I mean, Andy was so shady. He Every question he had was like against her and on everybody else's side. And he even but made was- fun of her new single, Drag Queens. He was like, oh, well, it isn't great. Like, uh, okay, Andy. I mean, I haven't listened yeah. to the song, but... <laughs> I've never, I mean, all the housewives do these shitty songs and I've mm-hmm. never seen him, I've never seen him say something like that. Yeah. To uh, to one of them. It's like, he might say something that's kind of thinly veiled, you know. Tongue in cheek. Right. But yeah. never just insult them like that. And To then their face, the people, nonetheless. Right, right. But the thing that pissed a lot of black people off on Twitter was when he, they were talking about I think he asked the question of, oh, what do your husbands think of the fact that you guys are making your own money and are doing this and you're doing that? And Monique was saying, my husband is happy that I have the money to fund my own projects and things that I want to do without having to ask him for money. And Andy was saying, well, he's not really making the kind of money that he was before. And it was like, what? Monique had to check him and be like, well, actually, no. My husband has invested very well, and he's still making quite a bit of money. And it was just like, the way he was talking to her was just, it felt like an ambush. Yeah, And I agree. And the, the big thing is, which came out later, that I think Monique told, told people this on Instagram Live or something, that they had placed Monique at a completely different hotel from the rest of the housewives. Oh, really? So... Oh, I thought I told you this. No, no. I didn't hear that. Yeah. They, so they were filming the reunion in a hotel. And the, all the other housewives were staying in the hotel that they were filming in. But Monique was being was at a different hotel. That's and shitty. She did, yeah. And they did not tell her. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is it's like, well, the housewives expressed concern because of her violence about her being there and blah, 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 blah. But... They didn't even tell her. She didn't find out until she got there. And even then, it was only because she was on the phone with Karen and was saying, like, all right, I'm getting my makeup done and then I'm going to, you know, head on over. And Karen's like, what do you mean? And it was only then that Monique realized that she was being, that she probably put her up at a different hotel. That's shady, even for Bravo. Oh, wait, actually, no. Maybe I, I remember her saying that she had to pay out of pocket for a hotel room at the place where they where the rest of them were. So now I'm wondering if I'm recounting the story correctly. I, I for, so I forget exactly at which point she found out that she was put at a different hotel, but either way, she found she didn't find out until later and she had to book her own room out of her own pocket at the hotel that they were supposed to be at. So that if you're wondering why like Monique and particularly Chris Samuels came into the reunion with such an energy toward Andy and toward the show. That's why, is they came in after having known that they did this shady, like, switcheroo on the hotel thing. But then there was the whole thing where Chris was trying to confront Robin and Giselle about the fact that there was a rumor that was started by a former best friend of Monique's that she was having an affair with her trainer. And the best friend was going around to different 
housewives basically trying to give them this tea, hoping that one of them would bring bring it on the show. I don't know if it was her attempt at... Because sometimes these thirsty peripher peripheral people will come to one of the housewives with some tea to see if, like, it'll get them, you know, onto the show, which sometimes works. Like that cookie lady on Atlanta. Marlo called. But uh, so I guess they all had some dinner that Monique was not at, and these rumors about the trainer were brought up. And I don't remember, do you recall if they said what exactly Giselle said at that dinner that pissed them off? Or like, did did Giselle say she was going to bring it up or anything? Or Oh God, I don't remember specifically what she said. I just remember saying that it was going to get brought up on camera. And then the fact that the child wasn't actually Chris Samuels' child. Right. But I'm just wondering, because I know that, oh, and that was one of the other things that Monique was pissed at Candace about, was Karen was the one who told Monique that this was being discussed at the dinner. And so at the time, Monique was still friendly with Candace. And so she was pissed that Candace never came to her and said, this is what was being discussed. But the main issue that they had with Giselle is that on Giselle brought up the trainer rumors on the show. And the rumor was not only that Monique was cheating with her trainer, but that the child Monique had just recently had was the, the trainer was the father, not her husband, Chris, which was really the, the more egregious part of the accusation. Yeah. Now, Giselle mentioned that on the show in her confessional. I think it was in the first or second episode. She did not mention the part about the baby or uh, well actually uh, supposedly she did but bravo edited that part out but it did air that she said that monique had cheated with her trainer and yeah, what was, was so in, frustrating it was blatant in a confessional because she's yeah. like a little too close and then big boy found out and i still don't understand why giselle calls chris samuels big boy but it feels gross every because time she's she does jealous. It. she's just jealous of monique's life it completely kills giselle that she was with this man, Jamal, for all these years. He humiliated her and cheated on her and has all these baby mamas. And after it all, has really nothing to show for it besides her name. And she's having to work to pay her own bills, you know, with this struggle home that she bought. That house is so fucking <laughs> gross. And her makeup line, which is now defunct. Talking um, about it's just COVID that shut it down. <laughs> Right, girl, bye. And it kills her that Monique has the life that she wants to have, which is being a housewife to a very rich man. And the thing is, the thing that really just outlines to me how miserable Giselle is, is that Monique has never been someone to put to, to put anybody else down for their finances or brag about her wealth in a way that is meant to, like, make you feel bad. If anything, she is... I mean, like anybody who has money, like if you have four homes, you want to invite people over and have them use your pool and you want to throw a big party and this and that. She's happy to like share what she has with people. But I've never seen Monique like in an arrogant way brag about her money. Yeah, um, I agree. So it, the animosity toward Monique for being for having a rich husband coming from Giselle, it just to me reeks of nothing but pure jealousy. If you recall, the very first introduction to Monique on the show is when Karen brought her into the group and they were having tea somewhere. And Karen says, oh, she's looking for a home in Potomac. And Giselle, being shady, 
goes, oh, you don't have a home? Yeah. And of course, Monique claps back with, I have four homes. And you see Giselle's like cracked face just sitting there like, oh. I can't stand Giselle. I don't, I, I can't, I don't understand Giselle. She's so gorgeous and, but oh. she's, but yeah, but she's, she has this really nasty, hateful, like high school mean girl aspect to her personality that is so sad to watch. Like, it's clearly somebody who's really deeply unhappy and masks it in this, like, vicious behavior toward people for no reason. And Robin, who is, I think, a better person than Giselle, ends up getting caught up in it and and acts as her little sidekick. Which is so confusing to me because Robin always seems so much more like heartfelt and genuine and sincere. So when I see her get caught up with petty catty bullshit with Giselle, I'm like, girl, come on. That ain't you. (laughs) Like it's a bad look. Yeah. So was that like tire track wig that she was wearing at the reunion. Oh my God. Yeah. I think she just (laughs) let her kids take their fucking hot wheels out and just run them all over (laughs) that goddamn wig. Which by the way, can we talk about the entire look of the reunion? Because I don't know what the fuck that was. I, first of all, who the fuck chose yellow? Ooh, like, why? I hated the only dress that I actually liked was Monique's, actually. Ashley's looked like, I don't understand who picked yellow. Ashley's looks like there was a dress that she just took some fucking scissors to to try and make it look sexy. I hated Wendy's. I hated Karen. Like, Wendy's looked like a shitty ice skating uniform from 1994, but then just make it a gown. Candace's oversized bow. I just, I thought all of them were terrible. And I don't know what the fuck Robin's dress looked like. Remember those book socks we used in school to cover our textbooks? It looks like she just put that as a fucking dress. Like I've hated everyone's outfit. I think Monique's was the only one that I would say wasn't a total train wreck. Not my style, but yeah. Horrible. I've never seen fashion that bad at a reunion. But also the set itself. Like when they just, it it looks like they set it up like a bodega or something. Like a little Mexican grocery store on the corner. Like it just, I don't, the entire decor was a mess. I think they said they were trying to recreate, where was the place they went? Portugal? Portugal, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they said that that's what they that's what they were trying to do, recreate the aesthetic of whatever place they went to in Portugal, but it was a fucking mess. I, I actually think it's the ugliest reunion set I've ever seen. Yeah. The reunion, I, I really wanted there to I really wanted there to be more accountability for Giselle for her part in this whole thing. But basically they were all gaslighting Monique and saying, No, that didn't happen. No, Giselle didn't say that. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And then they would Bravo would show the tape that backed up what Monique was saying. Like the entire reunion, they all just kept calling her a liar, including Andy. And then they showed footage that proved it was exactly what she said. Yeah. So, so that's why I think Monique left because it's like, once you know that basically the show is going out of its way to go against you and make you look bad, why would you Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. But I kind of have a feeling that they're going to end up asking her to come back later. I'm sure they will because their ratings are going to tank next season because it's just not going to be interesting. I don't like, yeah, I don't plan on watching next season at all. Well, I'm going to wait and see who, they, who what new people they bring on because they really need some new, because honestly, like 
Monique was one of the best housewives on the show. And I think in part because she actually was a housewife and actually had money. So she she had actual like storylines. But some of these other girls, it's like they have to create shit just to have something to, to talk about on the show. Like Wendy. Wendy's whole fucking storyline is, well... I'm a professor that's been on CNN a couple of times, but I want to be a full-time political commentator and leave my job at Johns Hopkins. And what do I do? Like, that literally was her entire storyline. Well, that and her screaming at other people how many degrees she has and address me as doctor. She's annoying (laughs) as shit. I'm sorry. There is nothing redeeming about her being on that show. I think she's annoying. I think she's a shit stirrer. I think she's two-dimensional fucking boring. I don't care. Great. Oh, another time you're telling us again that you're Nigerian. Awesome. I forgot because it's been a whole four minutes since you last said it. Like I thought she was going to be downgraded to a friend of because she was not interesting or engaging at all for the season. I just cannot understand what they think she brings to the show because all she does is just talk about being Nigerian, talk about how many degrees she has, talk about that she's a political commentator, which, I mean, I wouldn't even say that's necessarily true. She's been on a couple of political shows like two or three times as like a freelancer. It's not like she's like, it's not like she has some sort of contract with CNN or something where she's regularly appearing on the channel. Yeah, no one is getting out their phone quickly to dial her up for her hot take on anything. So what the fuck is her storyline going to be? Oh, by the way, did you hear that? Because part of her storyline is the fact that her husband's family doesn't speak to them anymore and because they don't like her. Yeah, which, oh, wow, really? They don't? I can... But here's the thing. Apparently, the reason that her that Eddie's family disowned them is because I guess there's some Nigerian folklore that they believe Wendy's family is cursed. Yes. And so oh. that's why they cut them off when he decided to marry Wendy, is that they believe Nancy... They believe Nancy... They believe Wendy... Well, I am cursed, so I understand your confusion. (laughs) I am definitely cursed, so. They believe Wendy has this, like, generational curse, and they don't want to have anything to do with her. I mean, that's wild. I hope that gets covered next season. They won't cover it because Wendy won't. Oh. Well, I won't be watching anyway, so you call me up (laughs) if there's anything happening I should know about. Yeah, so I guess we'll see what they do in the next season. Maybe they'll bring people on that are interesting because they really need to shake some shit up. And I hope they bring somebody on that really fucking brings Giselle down to size because I'm so sick of her shit. Yeah. And really, Giselle having her own personal security at the reunion? Come on. Yeah, get fucked. So moving on to Atlanta. So Atlanta is back and they actually have two new... Well, I know Drew is a housewife, but I think the other girl... There's two other girls that are, I guess, like friend of people. Like the there's the girl who whose house they just went to. Or wait, are you caught up? Yes. Did you yes. see? Yes, I am. Like pool party that they had all the girls at the one woman's house. Because the last episode was the party for Portia, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm caught okay, up. Yes. Sorry, I had to so, remember what day of the week it was. So there's two. There's three new women on the show. One is a woman named Drew, who is a working actress. I've never heard of her, but apparently she's been in a bunch of Tyler Perry movies and stuff. And I think she was on a show. She was on a show called The Game that isn't on anymore, but it was very popular. And 
Then there's two others who I don't think they're full-time housewives because we haven't seen any like individual scenes with them, like in their house or whatever. We only see them in, in group scenes thus far. So there's the Drew woman and then there's these other two new women. One of them is a single woman who is like young and kind of like a party girl. And she's become good friends with Kenya, which honestly, I mean, they're, they've been calling her like a mini Kenya because she just says shady stuff. Yeah. But I don't think she's as interesting as Kenya. And I don't either. Like she says stuff that's just kind of like rude or just kind of like blunt that, you know, she'll just blurt stuff out, but she doesn't say it in a way that's like witty or it's just, it's like she just says shit. <laughs> it just comes across as just being thirsty to get attention. Yeah. But I think Kenya is becoming, trying to befriend her so that she could have more allies on the show because now she's fallen out with Portia and we already know that Marla doesn't <coughs> like her. And I feel like her friendship with Cynthia is kind of rocky in the past year or two. Yeah. Because the last season was kind of a mess with her like, making fun of Cynthia not knowing anything about wine, which was really... Um, Amazing to watch. It was, like, painful. Yeah. She, it's like, she, it's one thing to poke fun at her about it, but then she just like, kept it going and going. Mm-hmm. But then also there was the thing with Kenya almost ruining Cynthia's surprise engagement. Um, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. So I feel like Kenya's trying to just kind of create allies with the newer people on the show. And then there's this other girl who they just... Oh, Toya is her name. Toya is the the young party girl. And then there's another housewife they just introduced in the last episode who's married, and I don't know what her husband does. They didn't spend much time introducing them as a couple. They just kind of fell right into it. But they have money, and they have a very big house with a pool and a hot tub that everybody came and had a party at in the last episode. So they're bringing in new blood, trying to kind of shake things up, which is good, because they got Nini's gone, and... Thank God. um, Yeah, thank God for that. I was so ready for her to leave. Yeah, and I hope they don't bring her back, because they keep, like, she leaves, and then they, like, bring her back a couple seasons later. It's like... She, it, it's just, it's time for her to move on because she's not fun to watch it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the show clearly needed some fresh blood and this Drew woman, I guess she's, I don't like her husband, quite frankly. I think he's a narcissist and I don't see them staying together because I, just from what I've seen, he never can admit he's wrong about anything. He never can, like, apologize. He never, like, he's not, he's completely insensitive to her feelings about everything. And she seems like she's the only one that's really trying to work on their problems. And be accountable something. for her shortfalls at the same time. Right. Like, he basically just thinks, well, there's nothing wrong except you need to just stop, you need to just leave me alone. Yeah. And stop emasculating me. Like, huh? But the big storyline for... Atlanta this season is this supposed party that took place, which was it, was it, is it someone's bachelorette party or? It's Cynthia's bachelorette. Okay. Yeah. So Cynthia's getting married to this guy, Mike, who I think is like a political, I mean, not a political, a sports commentator. And so I guess they do a girl's trip or something this season 
where they have a bachelorette party for Cynthia, where there's male strippers there. And supposedly, a couple of the housewives, some who may or may not be married, had a three-way with one of the strippers. We love to see it. And we it's not been revealed who those people are. I think Kenya is the one that exposed them, which, of course, it is. I, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. But... It, just from the trailers, it looks really dramatic. <laughs> I cannot wait. And they've all denied it, I think, when they've been asked if they were, if that's what they did. I've read who the two people are rumored to be, but I'm not going to say just in case it turns out to be a spoiler. But that seems like that's going to be the real mess of the season. And I don't know what episode that happens in. Can it please just be the next one? <laughs> I'm ready to see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. This is why I hate watching the Housewives shows week to week, because I just want to like binge the whole thing. And because they stretch everything out. And then these fucking reunions, you, I was shocked that the thing with Monique and the binders happened in the first part. Because they usually hold any of the really juicy stuff until the later parts of the reunion. And the first part is usually just shit. That's why I totally believe Andy when he says they had more than enough footage for another, a complete other episode. Because I'm like... There must have been more damning things in that binder that got trotted out. She did not go through all that effort for that to be the only thing to be used. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see how that all turns out. But that's that's the Housewives for now. We'll come back. I haven't started Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I know you have, Nancy. But apparently one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which is a new franchise that they started this year, or, well, 2020 technically, was involved in the riots at the White House, at the Capitol. Yep. Um, she appears briefly as kind of like a friend of in the first couple episodes. But yeah, I there's multiple pictures of her in front of the Washington Monument, all dressed up and then closer and closer to the Capitol and at the rally. So yeah, there's there are photos wow. circulating right now that she was involved in the riots. Lovely. So I need to start that soon. And then we'll come back and uh, talk about it. But moving on into our on the couch segment for this week. So we have a an email from a listener. Her name's Beth. And she says, Dear Nancy and Chris, I recently mentioned to a friend that my children were in the neighborhood playing and they couldn't believe that I would let my kids play outside unsupervised. I looked it up and saw that there was a controversy surrounding this topic and that a couple had CPS called on them because their kids walked a few blocks to the playground. What age do you think children should be able to roam free without direct supervision? Yeah. So this is the first time anyone's ever asked me what I should be done in relation <laughs> to children. Let's start off with a disclaimer that neither one of us has children. Um, yeah, no, and never will. I'm sure there's laws on the books actively that I can't procreate. So, but I will say I saw the article that she's talking about. I forget where the people were that are the subject of it. But essentially, they their, their neighborhood has like a playground that or a park or something that is only a couple of blocks away from their house. And they've let their kids go and play in the park. And I don't know if somebody saw them there and called the police or if it was like a neighbor of theirs that is just being Mrs. Kravitz or what, but 
to me, this is, I'm just completely confused and confounded by the controversy, to be honest, because, and maybe times have changed. I don't know. All I can go off of is based off of my experience. When I was growing up, I walked to school and my, my first elementary school when I was in kindergarten, first grade, second grade was like a couple of blocks away from my babysitter's house. So my parents would take me to the babysitters in the morning. A couple of us, because we all went to the same school, we would, there were kids who were my age, one who was a bit older, we'd all walk together and we'd go to school in the morning. And there's a whole route that they have set up where they have crossing guards along the way, kind of ushering the kids to school. And then we'd walk home at the end of the day. And then when I got older and moved to a different city that was bigger, but still, um, more of a suburb, so it was a longer, much longer walk. I did the same thing. I, my brother and I would walk home to school at the end of every day, and we all, like all the kids that, they would set you up on different like walking routes. So you'd have a cluster of kids that would walk together because they were all going in the same direction. And we'd all walk as a group, and one person would drop off and go into their house and the rest of us keep walking and then one person drops off and then ultimately there's you know one person left getting to their house and so i don't quite understand the pearl clutching i guess about children just being like in their neighborhood generally without their parents so the the thing that sticks out to me is like when i was a kid yeah we could run off. I'd play with kids down the street. We'd go ride our bikes all through the neighborhood. And I guess my thing is nowadays, aren't all these kids, don't they all have cell phones anyway? And their parents could track where they were at. I don't feel like, so it's just weird to me. I feel like these kids would have phones and with location services enabled. So parents could keep an eye on them, quote unquote, while they're a couple blocks away at the playground. Well, that's the thing is I feel like people have become much more like helicoptery with regard to parenting, which is to me nonsensical given technology allows us now to be a lot to, to keep tabs on your children a lot easier than you could when we were kids. I mean, it, I would go out. I mean, it's not like I would go very far, but like I lived in a townhome development where we would go out in the front of our house and play. We would go in the back. We would go, there's like a wooded area behind our house where we would walk through as kids. And there's like a creek that we would walk to just, I mean, there's nothing to do when you get to the creek, but it's just, you're there and we're at the creek. It's just, I mean, these were the days before Netflix and, and phones and everything else where kids had things that they could do that would occupy them at all times. So you had to just find shit to do. I've spent many a day in the woods breaking sticks and shit. Yeah, like that's what we, I mean, that's what we would do. We would just kind of go outside and you would stay outside basically until it got dark and then you'd go home. Yep. And none of us ever had our parents around, like ever. I mean, maybe if we were playing right in front of our houses and we were like, if we were playing a game of like kickball or something, who knows, there would be someone, somebody's parent who was like looking out the front window as they do dishes or like sitting on their stoop, just kind of casually watching. But we knew not to go too far. We knew not to go with strangers. We knew to stay in a particular area and then we'd come home and it was that simple. So I don't, I just, the entire topic to me is completely 
foreign. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's how parents think these days is that you shouldn't ever leave your kids alone. I don't know. So after I read that was our on the couch portion, I remembered reading an article a while back and I was like, let me just find it so I can bring it up. So in 2015 in Houston, this woman was at the food court in a mall and was there for a job interview and was 30 feet away from her kids where they were in direct, like she never, they never left her eye line, right? 30 feet away. She finished her interview. She couldn't get childcare arranged beforehand. So she was like, well, I got to bring them. And then when she finished her interview and walked back over, she was arrested for leaving the kids alone. I just don't, but, and they literally removed the kids from her and they went to protective services. I, so I, mean, I, I guess, I guess the only thing that I can, and I don't know the details of that story, but perhaps people just saw two kids sitting at a table and didn't realize that their mother was a couple feet away and just called security or whatever. But yeah, the kids I were six th- and two. But I would think the first step would be somebody you maybe call like mall security or even the actual police, and they show up and they, they come over to the kids and say, "Hey, kids, where?" is your mom are you here alone and they say oh no she's right there and then that's the end of it <laughs> i don't yeah. get how it get how it gets all the way to child protective services i uh, mean yeah. i've gone to the granted i mean six and two is young to be left alone at yeah the mall. yeah but i would have all i, I plan i went with my mother plenty of places where she would be in the dressing room and i'm sitting out waiting for her to come out at the store or she goes into the bathroom and we're out waiting for her in the food court or whatever. I mean, so get that people are just anxious about what could happen to kids when they're out and about. But it's, I think there's a, I think there's an overkill of you need to be tied to your parents' hip at all times and all, because how old were the kids from the original article about the well, I guess she d- doesn't mention in the letter she sent, but let me Google it because I remember reading it. I mean, I feel like anywhere from 10 to 12, you're good to just kind of roam unfettered. At least that's how it, I mean, obviously it's not like when I was that age that I would just run out of the house and be like, deuces, dad, talk to you later. Like I would always communicate where I was going. Oh, it was in Maryland. What part? Silver Spring. Oh, God. So the children were six and 10. I'm sorry. If you're 10 years old, you're old enough to be able to go to the fucking playground. Yeah, like, I agree. On. I agree. And come on. I can, yeah. you know, it's one thing if you, it's, I can see if it's like a fucking toddler and you're seeing them waddle their asses down to the playground by themselves. And you're like, what the hell is going on? But like a 10 year old, I mean, people need to stop. Get a fucking grip. Well, and I think it's important too, if you work out like, they have a phone and location services are on. Or even if they don't have a phone, here's a list of the places, the two or three places you're allowed to go by yourself or with your brother or sister or whatever. You can go to the playground. You can go to the end of the street and wherever, and little Timmy's house. Like those are the three places you can go and I don't have to be there with you. I I don't know. I'm not, should we put a disclaimer for future on the couch segments that just says, I am not qualified to make comments on child rearing? I mean, I mean, I have nephews and stuff, and I feel like they go outside and play in the, the street and with neighborhood kids, and there's not necessarily a parent watching them, and they're 10. 
But here's the question. How old do you think is appropriate to have a child be alone, whether it be in the house alone? So let's say you're like, oh, me and your dad want to go out for a nice dinner date and leave you here for the night. And we put a pizza in the oven and we'll see you later. Or even just walk down to the corner store and get a loaf of bread. Here's a couple quarters. Or like, How old do you feel it's appropriate for a kid to just be left like that? For a kid staying in the house alone while my husband and I go out and get smashed, I want to say I feel like 13 is appropriate. Just because I know... I don't know. I feel like it's easier to have... No, I don't have a good answer. I feel like 13. 13 for staying in the house by yourself. Playing in the street during the middle of the day with some of the neighborhood kids. I feel like 10 is the starting age. 8, 9, or no, 9 or 10. You're good to go play outside. But as far as like leaving a kid alone in the house, I'm like, you're too crazy and a lot of this shit's expensive. So, but yeah, that that's what I think for staying in the house. And especially like staying overnight alone, I think it would be older than that. But I also don't trust children, which is why I don't have them. See, maybe my parents just were too trusting or they thought or, or we were very mature kids because my parents started leaving us alone at like eight or nine. Well, you have to keep in mind, too, that I have older siblings by a pretty big margin. So by the time I was, because I was the last one to come out the gate. So the rules were definitely (laughs) much. We're calling it a gate. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I slid out of my mother, (laughs) just snail trailing regret all over the place. When by the time that I was coming of age, I'll say, the rules were very different than how it was with my sister and my brother. I'm pretty sure with my sister that she wasn't allowed to stay home alone until she was like 14. Like it, it was up there. And then by the time my brother came along, the rules were different. But that was only shortly after my sister because their age gap isn't that big. But I have such a big age gap with the two of them that by the time I was coming around, my dad was like, I don't give a shit. Whatever you want to do. Here, here's a check to that I signed to Domino's so you can get pizza tonight. So I wasn't alone a lot. I had two much older siblings. And then when later on in life, yeah, my, I don't know. Is it, so I'm in a weird position. I didn't have the same kind of opportunity. Yeah. But I wonder if you recall back in the olden days, there was an actual like operator you could call on the phone. Girl, I remember having to learn the zip codes, or not the zip codes, the area codes when they rolled those out, that the area code was required to make calls. Yeah, but I remember, like, my mother was going somewhere, I forget where, for the night. I think she, actually, I think it was, I think she was going to the skating rink or something, because that's what my mother did growing up, was, like, every Sunday she and her friends would go skating. And That's cute. (laughs) I think she called the operator and said, what's the law for when you can leave a child home alone? And she told her eight. So that was, I mean, I'm sure those laws vary depending on what state you're in, but it's an interesting topic because I don't, I don't, maybe it's like a millennial, like versus Gen Z thing or something. I don't know, but I. Well, it's just totally different now too. Like you and your significant other could be out at dinner and you can pick up your phone and check the cameras that are in the house to see what they're doing, right? Like it's, so I feel like you don't have to physically be in front of them to be able to monitor them just because of how inundated our lives are with technology now. Right. 
Like I can see exactly who's in my living room right now. I can see whose cars are in front of my house. I can see what internet devices are being used in the house. I can see. So I feel like we have all this data now and different ways to kind of monitor the kids. So I think it's kind of sort of a thing of the past that you have to physically be around them constantly to keep an eye on them. Right. But yet the tide is turning in the opposite direction with people feeling less secure about letting their children. Well, there have been a lot of really good true crime documentaries that have come out, so I can understand. (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the reality of the situation. There are certain things that happened in the 80s and the 90s and whatever that spooked people about children getting snatched. But the reality is that the overwhelming majority of the time when a child goes missing, it's someone the child knows. Yeah. So this idea that there's a stranger waiting in the bushes that's going to snatch your kid up if you let them out of your sight is a myth. Yeah. Just keep a closer eye on Russ at softball practice because it's... (laughs) Right. Like those lion girls or whatever. Yes. So so just to... Just because I don't know if you remember their ages. So Catherine and Sheila Lyon were age 10 and age 12. And they walked to a nearby shopping mall in Wheaton, Maryland, which is a suburb of D.C. But yeah, they disappeared without a trace in 1975. And this was like one of the most famous unsolved cases for the state of Maryland. But they were literally, it's not that far. I think they have a map that they showed where... It was like a mile away, if that. But yeah, they were snatched up and then they were essentially never found. But yeah, just walking out by nearby home. But there is a book called The Last Stone that is really good. And there was a recent documentary done on the ID channel called Who Killed the Lion Sisters. And there's a lot of theories about who actually did it and who's responsible. But one of the big things was they were talking about these kids and their ages of how they would be able to be convinced to just go off with someone. And then there was the whole theory about a boy near their age that kind of enticed them to come hang out with him. And then there's a bunch of theories. But yeah, they were just walking nearby to the shopping mall, even though it was 1975. So the rules were very different back then, I think. But yeah, I... And how old were they? I forget. 10 and 12. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I think a 12-year-old, you're a teenager, essentially. And mm-hmm. my friends, when we were 12, 13, we would go to the mall all the time. Our parents would drop us off for a couple hours. They'd come back and pick us up. It's yep. like, you, I think, but do you remember in the case of the Lions sisters, without, for people who may want to watch the documentary, without giving away the ultimate conclusion, do you remember how they were lured into whomever's like car or whatever? Well, so if they watch the documentary, there's three different things that get presented to them because it's a first this person was getting blamed. So this is what they said happened. Then it was no, actually, our focus is on this person. But yeah, I, I feel like that'll be a big spoiler if I say how they're they're lured. Got it. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember. Yeah, they. You basically spend most of the documentary thinking that it's a certain person, and then it turns out that it was somebody. Yeah, there's Um, a lot of false leads in this case. Speaking of, did you ever end up watching the fucking... Undoing? No. um, With Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant on HBO? No, it was sitting in my queue, though. Don't. Just don't. Don't do it? Okay. It's literally... It was enjoyable for the first 
seven episodes or how many, however many it was, despite Nicole Kidman's horrible acting. <laughs> but because you're sitting there thinking like, okay, who is it? Is it maybe it's this person? Maybe it's the grandfather. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And you're like trying to piece together all these different clues and whatever. And then the person it turned out to be was so fucking disappointing that it was like, this literally oh. could have just been an episode of Law and Order SVU. I like, hate that. It just, it was so, it, they spent seven episodes building up to it and it was so fucking anticlimactic. I wish I hadn't watched it. Did you see um, the, oh God, the new Netflix thing called The Ripper about the yeah, killer in the, were you disappointed in that? Cause I super was. I feel like there was a lot um, of hype and I was very interested. And then I was like, oh, okay. I feel like we could have wrapped that up in two episodes. That I will agree with. I do think it, it didn't need to be that many episodes, but I did. I did find it interesting because it, it the I was fascinated by the fact that you, by the end you basically realized that they completely bungled the entire investigation because they refused to move off the idea that the victims were prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. Like- Literally, if they had not, if they had just given up their prostitute theory they would have solved the crime yeah like before all these other women were killed i could not believe that they had that woman who walked into the police station and was like oh yeah i was attacked with a hammer and i think it's this guy and they were like girl bye yeah and it turned out to be him (laughs) yeah that made my stomach turn have to do in our best and worst of 2020 we need to do best like true crime binges or best because i really want us to talk about murder murder on middle beach like really bad yeah yeah okay well i don't know how much wine you have left i actually have quite a bit as i drink slow but now it's like warm so i've got to put it back in the refrigerator but i hope you guys enjoyed your wine with us i hope you uh enjoyed this episode the we don't know when we're going to be putting out another episode, but probably in another couple of weeks. But thank you guys for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed. As usual, please feel free to send us any feedback. Just no dick pics. Speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> Show me what you got, internet. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get some like 75-year-old guy who looks like fucking Skinner from X-Files sending you his dick pics. Skinner looked distinguished in the earlier seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you guys. Um, we will be back and uh, talk soon. Happy New Year. There's nothing happy about it. New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.